guys and welcome back to the penultimate episode of season one of Brown's Plane with me, Afsara. And me, Mahek. On this episode, we'll be joined with one of my lovely friends from across the pond, uh, Somya. Introduce yourself, Somya. <laughs> I love that across the pond. That is great. <laughs> um, hi, everyone. My name is Samya, and I'm really excited to talk to Mahek and Afsara here today on all things period shame and sexual health and all of that stuff. So really excited to be here today. Tell us all a bit about you. So I know obviously you're on TikTok, you're on YouTube, might be nice to plug yourself. I'm pretty sure everybody would love your content as much as we love it. So sweet. Yeah. So shameless plug. I am on TikTok as Samia Prakash 49. The 49 has no meaning behind that, by the way, <laughs> just Samia Prakash was taken. And yeah, TikTok has been honestly such a great platform for me to talk about really important issues, but like through like a comedic, like humorous way. That's kind of like my way of talking about it. And then YouTube is like a complete 180. It has nothing to do with anything culture. It's all about health and wellness. But that's how it started. And then I realized that culture actually does have a lot to do with health and wellness. So starting to incorporate a little bit about culture and health and wellness and seeing like the intersectionality within that too. So yeah, I've been loving social media, especially when it creates community like this, where we can talk about anything and everything with a safe space. Yeah, I, we're so excited to have you. And also just to mention before we get into the episode, I was going to say you look quite young for someone that was born in 49, but um, <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I always get asked that question. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> and this is why we thought Somia was the perfect person to have on this episode because we will be talking about all things period, the you know the issues surrounding period shame, and the fact that we actually it's almost like a taboo subject within our community. Then we're going to dive into the inadequate and the lack of sexual health education within our community. And again, you know, the importance of things like consent. So to start off the episode, I'm going to ask you guys a question. Um, or maybe just for you guys to share your first period stories. Um, what you guys knew then versus what you guys know now. So Sonia, let's start with you. What's your story? So as I was telling you both earlier, my story is so underwhelming, but here it goes. So I was in middle school, so I believe I was 12 years old, maybe 11, and I was in the bathroom, and I used the bathroom, and then I saw what I saw in my underwear. So obviously as a 12-year-old, when I say obviously, I'm referring to like in our culture, like it I had never been told to look out for this sort of thing. So I naturally freaked out, thought I was going to die and, you know, yelled for my mom. I'm like, mom, 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 look what's happening to me. And then my mom came in so calm, like calm as a peach. And she literally just pulled out a pad from under the sink and was like, which translates to just put this on. And she was so calm and she was like, everything's okay. But it was a very, it was a very scary moment when I, when, when she didn't walk in the bathroom and then when she walked in the bathroom, it was a lot more, you know, calm, as I mentioned, but nothing was really explained after that. So I'm like, oh, okay, this is normal. This means I'm turning into a woman, whatever, whatever that means. <laughs> Mac? <clears throat> I would say very similar sort of situation, except probably a lot more embarrassing, which I'm really not looking forward to talking about. But um, in terms of like the reaction of parents, but we'll get to that. So I started my period very young. So I was easily like maybe eight and a half years old. So eight, nine-ish, quite young. And I was at a school, primary school, wearing my cute little summer dress. Suddenly I was like, I really need to go into the bathroom. Go to the bathroom. I see what I see. And I'm like, I'm dead. I'm dying. And I start crying. And I'm like, oh my God, why? is? Because as you said, like I wasn't taught to look out for it. I mean, I think that was also coupled with the fact that I was very young and it was probably like my mom never really thought that she'd have to have that conversation at that time. But I just remember like being like, okay, shit, you need to prepare yourself because this is the end of your life. And then I put like tissue there, went to like a class and I started crying. And the teacher was like, you know, when you're acting really mysterious in class and the teacher's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, 
miss I'm gonna die and you need to tell my parents that I'm gonna die and then the, and I, she was like why are you gonna die I was like because I went to the toilet and I found blood and then this little boy came up like literally just went you're not dying it's your period and I'm just like how did this little kid know what the hell this was and I didn't so it was really mortifying um but then I went home like I spoke to the nurse nurse gave me a pad spoke me through it like kind of briefly and then my parents well not my parents my mom spoke me through it and um same thing like kind of told me what to do um, but that was the end of the conversation. And I think it got n- more and more normal as we got older, but it wasn't like the, I guess like the health behind it was just like, yeah, you have a period, you need to wear a pad. And other than that, just keep it on the low. What about you, Afsara? First of all, you started super young. Yeah. Um, secondly, so I, mine was a funny story. I was melodramatic as hell. So mine was, I remember it very clearly, clearly. I was in year eight. And it was exactly one month before my birthday. And we were fasting at the time, okay? Um, But I knew what it was, okay? But I had to pretend like I didn't know what it was. So I remember I, like, ran to my older sister because my mom was still asleep. I ran to my older sister and then went and told her. And then she was like, oh, my God, why do I have to do this? Like, why do I have to give her the talk or whatever? And then she kind of, like, took me upstairs, you know, gave the pad, blah, blah, blah. And then she just kind of left me to it. And she was like, mum will deal with you when she wakes up, yeah? And then I was like, okay. And then and then I realised I didn't have to fast anymore, so I got really excited. Um, and then my mum woke up, and then my older sister told her. And then my mum was like, what the hell? How? How did this happen? Blah, blah, blah. And then she was, like, kind of explaining it to me. And I was told, obviously, it happens once a month and you need to wear these pads. So first of all, my common misconception was I was freaking out that I was going to be on during my birthday because I thought it happened <laughs> exactly every month the same day. So that was my common misconception. I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to be on my birthday for the rest of my life. And then I thought I had to wear that thing forever. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to wear this till the day I die now. Like, do I ever get to take it off? And I just thought, and I remember for like a week after, even though I finished, I was still wearing it. And my mom was like, what are you doing? I was like, I thought I'd just have to wear it for the rest of my life now. <laughs> and then she was just like, no, are you stupid? Like, you just have to wear it when you're on. That was my main common misconception at the time. And now, obviously, 10 years or more than that down the line, I'm completely fine. And I just thought, I had all these like weird expectations. That I thought I was going to be in pain. I thought I was going to be dying just from what, you know, we see on TV and everything. But I was fine. But sometimes I used to like be a bit more dramatic when I was on. So I didn't have to go to like PE class or something. Um, <laughs> things like that. But that was it. Um, yeah, that's my story. So moving on from this, how do you guys think that our community currently perceives Yeah, I can definitely take this one. I don't think that they even acknowledge it, to be honest. I mean, just honestly, from my own experience, it's very just ignored, if you will. You know what I mean? And I think, honestly, I have so many opinions on this. I feel like growing up, I also adhere to that. I'm like, oh yeah, like periods aren't something that we're supposed to talk about. Like when I was younger, even, well, definitely not now. And now I've become more bold about it, but younger up until even college, like if I needed to borrow a pad or something, like I would hide it. Or like, you know, when you like put it in your jeans or you try to like cover it with your shirt and then you walk to the bathroom because you don't want anyone to see you holding a pad. Um, I would always do that even around like, you know, my South Asian community and things like that. But I definitely think it's one thing that's just ignored. It's like something that girls have and then it's just a bunch of gray area. I don't even think there's, in my experience, I don't even think that there's enough talk or acknowledgement of it. I don't even know if, if I'm making sense. No, it, no, it makes so much sense. And it's, it's very similar, I'd say, um, for me as well. Like in terms of my community, it's like we know it's there, but no one talks about it. And I think that's ultimately at the detriment of, the girls that are going through it because it can be a really crazy time like okay boys will never really truly understand the fact that like we bleed every month and it's an experience and not only from the sense of like you know the whole like actual manual logistics of it but also the emotional side of it and like the mm-hmm. symptoms that you get on your period and I don't know I feel like our community it pr- I guess like maybe it's probably related to the function of like girl gets her period oh wow she's fertile you know can have sex can have kids and it becomes this very like reproductive thing and given this like kind of like taboo around sex as well it kind of like feeds into that but boys don't get that as much which is kind of annoying and 
I don't know what I just really don't like about our attitudes towards it is that it's created it in a way that like we feel almost guilty when we're I don't know like especially before now I've kind of like broken down the taboo but there'd be times where like you'd be passing like you said passing a pad to your friend and you'd put it under your sleeve like that and you'd be like right or you'd be like I'm gonna leave it in the bathroom when in reality like it was just so difficult for us to simply just be like here you go like here is here is the pad um and there is a sense of like shame and and guilt and like when i spoke to a lot of my friends who are south asian as well about this they were like something about being on felt wrong and it does go into that idea of our community where like the men in our community can just not know when you're on a period um yeah i was gonna say trailing off of that mehek i think that this idea that a girl goes through such a big event and it's obviously an event that happens monthly you know for most girls and acknowledge it because if they acknowledge it then they have to acknowledge you know how much our bodies go through and how strong we are and how resilient we are and I know that sounds so deep but I feel like a lot of times our community not acknowledging such a an important part of a girl's life is also related to them not acknowledging all of the things that we have to go through physically um, and then it also justifies I mean you know, just to bring it to present day, it also justifies like, oh, if, you know, if we want to talk about, you know, equality, then if a man can do it, a girl can do it too, you know, like that toxic equality dialogue that typically happens. So I feel like a lot of times just ignoring a girl's period is almost like the safe way out for a lot of, for a lot of people in our community too. Yeah. No. I was going to say, there's also like this common misconception that you're just seen as dirty when you're yeah. not on because you know in a lot of cultures obviously you can't pray you can't keep fast um there's certain like I've had you know you can't touch prayer mats things like that so you are almost seen as quite dirty when in fact it's just a very normal biological thing that women go through so we also uh, asked everyone on our Instagram the thoughts on how we currently tackle the conversation and a lot of people had a lot of responses such as it's a disgrace and women are constantly shamed for speaking up about it Things like, still don't tell my dad when I'm on, just tell him there's something going on. Um, I've seen things where people say that during times such as Ramadan, girls still have to get up during Suhoor time because they can't say that they're on for their time of the month and they just have to pretend like they're fasting. Um, so what do you think about that? I can definitely relate to that. I think one of the people's responses were saying, you know, letting the men in your family know if you're on your period and not letting them know. I think that's so relatable. It's so interesting to me how there's just so much baggage that women have to carry, girls have to carry when it comes to hiding things about their body. There's, and not that they even should be hiding the decisions that they make outwardly too, but the fact that this is something that's natural, like especially, you know, whether you're in an educated society or not, like everyone knows that a woman gets her period. And the fact that this is something that's so, common to hide it's almost one of those things where like if someone were to just at the dining table say like oh i need to get up and go change my pad i i I honestly can't see that happening in majority of you know south asian families that i've been exposed to personally it would just be such a an eyebrow raiser which is so interesting because i feel like it's so easy for people to be like oh i have to go pee or you know i have to go use the loo or whatever the case is so it's just so interesting how the second it becomes girl or women specific, it's deemed as weird or dirty or it shouldn't be spoken about. And I feel like to me, that's the most obvious case of, you know, shaming and making women feel again, lesser than all of these things are, I feel like are attributed to just making women feel lesser than it serves the patriarchy. All of these things like add up in that space. Um, So personally for me, I think that I've de- I definitely relate to those Instagram responses. I- I've seen them. I've definitely seen them at the workplace, at home in general. Yeah, it's, it's actually funny because 61% of people who voted on the poll said they can't talk about periods freely in their household. And 78% said they didn't receive adequate education on their period when they first started as well. I think for a lot of us that can be the case because, for example, even something what happened with you when you first started, your mom just kind of gave it to you and then just expected you to know what was happening from then on and kind of similar with me as well. So, yeah, I think a lot of us can definitely relate and we can obviously see a massive trend within our community particularly that I think we just have a very common coping mechanism of just putting things under the rug and 
just yeah. expecting our kids to kind of just know or to teach themselves without giving them the right education because things I wish I knew I knew I know now I wish I knew when I was younger but I'm I'm gonna make sure that when I have kids and if I have a girl I'll make sure I tell them everything and answer all questions or insist to tell them things that I wish I knew you know yeah definitely yeah, no, I completely agree with this as well, because I think on one hand, right, it's this idea that, oh my God, it's so dirty. It's so like this, like I've got so many stories of my friends that will not wear nail polish around there. Um, so basically in Islam, basically you, girls generally wear nail polish when they're on their period because you don't have to pray. Um, but a lot of them won't wear it because they don't want their dads to clock that they're on their period. And obviously that's like one case, but these sorts of things it's just like appearing like things are all normal when in reality at times like being on your period can be really really hard and it's like instead of having people in the house accommodate that instead the burden is on you to mask it which is really annoying and it doesn't need to be that honestly it really i just think we overplay how much of a big deal it is um and i think it comes to a point of we need to focus on number one it's a normal natural thing to happen and number two it's a very important thing for us to be talking about it so it's a big deal in that sense and that we don't get the right sort of education around it um so for example like I think it's definitely like a running cycle because this is probably how our mothers were confronted with the conversation about periods and then that's how they pass it on to us. But for example, like with my case, I didn't realize, so because I didn't know much about periods, I just knew I was going to bleed every month or every month or so. That was kind of like the idea. Over time, I started to realize that I didn't get my period that much. And I just thought that was normal because I didn't really have a good understanding of what periods were like. Later on down the line, I found that I had polycystic ovarian syndrome, otherwise shortened down to PCOS. Um, and I know that a lot of girls find out that they have things like PCOS and endometriosis. That's how you pronounce it, endometriosis? Yeah, endometriosis. <laughs> how do you pronounce it, guys? Yeah, yeah. And, um, <laughs> just butchered it on the second go but um a lot of the time people girls don't even have good education to figure out if there's anything wrong with their period which is the problem and it's like that shame that lack of conversation is now kind of injecting in it, its way into the fact that girls can't even actually just get help or know when to go to the gp or know when to kind of be like okay cool all we're told is you bleed pad don't talk about it and that is the end of the conversation so true and, and it's so interesting because it's one of those things where like you wish that it was that simple, that mm -hmm. would be awesome. But then like in, in our case, the older that we got and the more that we talked about this, like your period is indicative of your health. It's indicative of, you know, your reproductive health too. It's, it's indicative of your mood, of your stress levels. It, it's literally so important to understand. And even right now, I'm still learning to understand your cycle, to understand your, you know, bleeding plat patterns and things like that. And just recently, I feel like especially the South Asian community is even talking about menstrual health. And then on top of that, talking about reproductive health too. And I also just a few points back, I'd like to just connect it back to is I feel like it was again, like it's in the patriarchy's benefit or whatever, for us to not know how our bodies work. You know what I mean? Like imagine, well, I'm going to refrain from saying stuff about my country on a <laughs> podcast, but it's, it's one of those things where if only we knew, you know, the foods that we eat, how that directly, you know, can have an impact on our period, um, processed food, chemicals, so much of the meat industry is injected with hormones, right? So, as women, we already are trying to handle our own hormones, not to mention all the hormones coming from the meat and dairy industry. And what, how does it serve them for them to educate us on our bodies and what's healthy for us if it means that they get to make less money? It doesn't make sense for them financially. So I feel like even, I know we're talking about in our culture specifically, but I feel like this, you know, treads over borders and it, it really is in the, in the benefit of a patriarch society of a cisgender male society for women to not know about their own bodies if that makes sense do you guys feel like as you kind of got older or like the more you had periods do you think that someone or did anyone in your family come and have more conversations with you or was it just like okay you started we can just avoid having the conversation altogether yeah I would say for me personally the only conversation I ever had about my period with my family members and that two women in my family is beta you're low on iron 
So eat more red meat or eat more spinach. Like I swear, I thought that the worst thing could happen when a girl's on her period is that she's iron deficient. It's like every brown girl's problem. (laughs) (laughs) I swear. So honestly, no. And if anything, I'm I'm not going to lie. I feel like it's actually been social media and the brown girls on social media that have had the courage to talk about it. And then obviously following, um, doctors in that space I've only I've honestly had to teach myself and I still don't think I know more than the tip of the iceberg compared to an actual specialist or someone who's dedicated a lot more time than I have like you opened my mind to organic pads and I was like yes I didn't even know that till we had that conversation and I uh, honestly and you'll never go back (laughs) honestly but um yeah no I think I completely agree with you in that sense that as well, just going back to your point, um, Somia, about how it does cross borders and the fact that even the kind of like, I guess, like revolution surrounding the conversation around periods has some also within the Western community has become more and more prevalent in the last few years. Um, it wasn't something that was around when I was younger, even when I got sex education at school. And when we focused on periods, it was a white teacher teaching me this, but she was like, yeah, I just, you know, hide your pad, put it like, da-da-da. and I was like, oh, okay, cool. So it was kind of something that I didn't even see as simply a South Asian thing. But I think over time, like definitely as South Asians, the fact that we're just like this massive blanket ban of just do not talk about it. Um, and also kind of like trivializing it as well. One thing I also remember, is kind of like I I think some of the education also extended to the kind of acceptable things to do to cope with your period so I don't know if you guys ever had this conversation with your family about or your or the women in your family about how like no tampons no tampons just pads and I was yeah, I was told, no, I couldn't wear tampons or like you just didn't wear tampons. Um, and I've heard that's very common with South Asian girls. I was like, I was like scared of tampons, literally <laughs> freaked out. I'm like, oh my God, how do people do that? Yeah. yeah, I think in my house, like I remember finding like a bag of them and like, I think all that was said was if you can use it, try it. If not, use the normal ones. It wasn't like, don't use it. It was just, if you can use it, go ahead. Yeah, I think the whole problem with tampons is definitely obviously related to the idea of like um proving your sexuality um or i guess quote the i guess virginity and the hymen and all those problematic concepts that we will get into later but um why did i end up sounding like boris johnson what we will get i loved it honestly i loved it like a classic british politician But yeah, no, I, that was definitely a conversation in my household. Mm, I think, you know, for me, right, I think, weirdly enough, again, it was that same thing in school where, like, if anything, the teachers emphasised hide that you're on your period. Like, they'll yeah. teach you ways to, like, hide your pads or the sort of things to say or they'd be like, oh, you know, make sure you wear this kind of clothing, make sure you don't wear a skirt or something too tight. Like, if anything, they were, like, encouraging us to hide it. And then in my house, it was like, I think my aunt, my youngest aunt, it's always the youngest aunt because they're like somehow the most relatable one. Like she came up to me and like tried to tell me about like being like, oh, you know, do you know about this stuff? And then um, funnily enough, that was the day we had that talk in school. And I was like, yeah, yeah, we spoke about it in school. I don't need to talk about it again. And I kind of like shooed her away. So if anything, I got really scared. But I think it was like my mom set my aunt to do it because like, yeah she probably thought I felt most comfortable with her, which I still do. But it's just, I think I ran away from it because I got really nervous. Like, oh my God, I can't talk about this to any family member. This is this is weird. And just deaded the conversation and never looked back. And then just taught myself. One of the things that I'm picking up with all three of us, and I'm sure like millions and billions of girls, is the fact that there's lack of resources. So it's not even about shame or like it's not being talked about or our parents aren't bringing it up. It's when you're in a situation where you actually need to know what to do. And I'm just going to share this. It might be a little much, so let me know. But I was in middle school and I was on my period and long story short, the pad couldn't hold what it was supposed to hold. And, you know, it bled through and it bled through into my jeans. And it was at that, I still remember this mortifying feeling of, oh my God. Yeah. Like, what do you do? It's just like, it's so interesting. Like if I were to have fallen at the, on the playground and cut my head open, that like everyone would have known what to do. Or if I would have gotten a scratch, I would have not known like where to go. But the fact that the blood was coming out from that area and not from anywhere else was, I, I, I felt so much shame. I was so embarrassed. And I remember 
like I thought like, oh my God, thank God I have a sweatshirt. So I like wrapped a sweatshirt around my waist. And for the next three hours of the day or however many hours of the school day was left, I was just walking out with like blood on my jeans because it was more comfortable to have blood on my jeans and wrap it around with sweatshirt with a sweatshirt than to go to even a teacher that was a woman. And that's, and I feel like even just thinking about that right now, like that's terrible. That's actually so terrible that girls don't even have that sense of safety of like, I can go to this teacher or, or something like that. I think that that's just really sad. I know what to do. Like I completely, it's mortifying. It's happened to literally all of us. I think honestly every girl has that one mortifying story of like it just couldn't hold and that was it and um it's really worrying and i completely agree i think there is one conversation about educating people against the taboo and against the shame and normalizing the conversation um to go beyond just the convenience of men not being able to hear what they need to hear i think if anything instead of focusing on how to educate people on it people end up focusing and this is also to do with the media around us. This is to do with the immaturity of the topic itself is the fact that if anything, more stereotypes are perpetuated, like, yeah. or things like, oh, she's in a bad mood. It must be time of the month, you know, like something happens. Oh, is it? The time oh, I the hate month? that one. That one makes me grind my gears. <laughs> I just, I just can't. And if anything, like, those stereotypes are highlighted more than the issue, not the issue at hand, but more like just the topic itself, like, you know, mood yeah. swings or, oh, uh, yeah, exactly. And if anything, it pisses you off even more. Like I can be angry because I'm feeling angry, not because it's the time of the month. I come like <laughs> retweet <laughs> times 10. <laughs> I think there's also a conversation to be had to with regards to kind of like the conversation of periods both for south asian women in the diaspora but also south asian women back home and like the inaccessibility of the conversation that's being had and number two i guess like the inaccessibility to resources to even deal with your period right i think a lot of us in the west have that luxury of you know what we can go out and buy a pad even though I think personally in my, in my thought process, like the fact that pads are like what on average, like two to three pounds um, for a maxi pad, for example, um, and a pack of them is ridiculous because these are things that we need to take on a monthly basis. And if you do not have the money for them, it can be very difficult. Yeah. Same way if you look at women back home and how it's really hard for them to number one, have that conversation. We're still in the, we're still living in a time where women are using cloths um, and really archaic methods to manage their periods. So I think it's really important that we also shed light on like really great organizations. So there's a really great organization called Binti, which basically deals like with uh, dealing with the stigma around um, periods and also helping allowing people back home in loads of different countries to actually access had so if anybody's interested in that conversation definitely someone to check out um and also maybe even donate to i know i definitely will be um especially in light of this conversation yeah i think um one conversation i had with my mom as well about how things were you know back in the day back home is the fact that obviously the lack of sanitary towels um back in the day they would just use cotton cloths um even the older generation above my mom like they wouldn't even use anything because not only did they not know but it's what they were used to so you know my mom said stories about how she knew people that just would just bleed through their clothes um, and then even then using like a cotton rag because they obviously didn't have like sanitary towels and stuff and then there were also stories um this actually didn't happen to mom but she knew stories of this of how um in some houses there was like almost like an outhouse quotation marks um for women if you were on during the time of the month you'd have to stay in those little huts basically because you're not supposed to be near the men in the house you're not supposed to be seen out and about because you're seen as dirty and you need to kind of recover almost um and funny enough the word for like being on your period in my language actually means like illness or you're feeling unwell so it's also it's already like seen as something that is not a good thing basically so it's almost like a shameful thing and you know yeah. women are sort of just hidden away and it's just yeah it's it's really like it just kind of concretes the sort of shame around it when they really shouldn't be i have a question as well for both of you so have you i mean how or if you are or if you're not uh dealing with the stigma now so 
for example, with me, I'm very vocal about it in the house. I'm like, yep, guys, I'm going to be in a bad mood this week. I'm on my period. And my <laughs> mom's like, Shh. and I'm like, mm, I'm going to tell everyone. I'm on my-. Um, obviously, that's an extreme. And that's probably maybe sometimes not the best way to go about it. But I guess like, you know, it's kind of like flooding the whole situation. Um, but it'd be interesting. And I guess like over time, it has become more and more normal. Like it's a conversation that we will have if somebody has any questions or any answers. Even the men, like it's a very open conversation now. Yeah. But it'd be interesting to know what you guys are doing to break down that stigma. Yeah, honestly, um, Mehik, I completely agree with you. I feel like I'm pretty similar today. I, I bring it up, not to just bring it up, but sometimes I'll be like, oh, I'm going to be, you know, late or I'm going to be a little whatever because I'm on my period or in the moment I've, I've had it where I've asked my friend, like, do you have any chocolate or do you have any X, Y, and Z? And they're like, oh, I'll go check. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just really craving it. You know, like I'm on my period. And I feel like it's one of those things where, at least for me, I find it very important to do it with the guys and girls in my friend group, because I want to challenge the guys in my friend group. And I want, it's one of those things where it's almost like, yeah, you wish society and other people would do it, but you know that you have to be that person for that specific guy friend. So even being open about having cravings and saying like, oh, I want chocolate or whatever your PMS symptoms are, right? Because you can have PMS symptoms on the week of your period or literally before because it's pre-menstrual symptoms, right? So just being very open about it and almost challenging the guys and the men in my life to be comfortable with hearing girls talk about it with them in the room is something that I've definitely been challenging my friend group with my cousins with I would say in the past couple years um, and it's now one of those things where it's not as uncomfortable because we did that yeah no that's, that's actually really good I think in my house it's more like you can be vocal about it. there's nothing stopping you but I think with me I don't say it unless I need to like oh, like, oh, why, why do you seem so, like, tired today? I'll be like, oh, because I'm on, or if I can't pray, or if I'm not fasting. But I won't ever bring it up just to say it for the sake of it. Like, if it's relevant to the conversation, or if it's stopping me from doing something, then I'll say it. But it is open in my house. Like, you can freely talk about it when you're on. Um, if anything, my dad's really cute about it. So <laughs> he'll, like, bring you stuff, like, ice cream and things like that like but that's only recently though that like, hasn't been like a common theme like he does that to my little sister for example so it's a very new development yeah. basically I would say yeah I think yeah it's not I like I think when I talk about kind of normalizing the discussion for me it's just kind of there has to be a point where there is some leeway into the conversation so that's something I've done with my brother something I've done with my dad and it's become more and more normal um, so just be like, so for example, asking my, let's say for example, I'm in a situation where I need my mom to go grab me a sanitary pad. I will say out loud. And that's mm-hmm. kind of something that's become more normalized in my house. I think one thing just before we kind of dive into the conversation about sexual health education as well, that I wanted to point out is like, I think, um, Somya, you were also talking about the point about how people normalize the conversation around peeing or going to the, going for number two. And like, it's interesting because whenever, you know, we talk about the politics behind talking about your period a lot of people are like well you wouldn't discuss going to the toilet you wouldn't da, 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 da. but people need to recognize that there's a massive difference between how we combat the conversation about going to number two there's no element of it's not a misogynistic thing it's not things that are tied to the fact that no you have to be quiet about this you know you have this is something that is a bad bad thing it's not the same as discussing or people saying you know well we don't talk about peeing and we don't talk about going number two there is a lot more politically attached to the female anatomy and to having your period so that's mm-hmm. one of the, and one distinction that i've always been like really really key on but i think going on now from period shame which is quite evident and i think like as we've mentioned there are so many resources that are available to kind of tackle it and i think this is one of the things that has to be a point about semantics and about speech, which is that we need to normalize having the conversation and normalize education in those masses. And I've already mentioned one resource, but we will mention more resources. I guess now deviating away from that, from the conversation of periods, which is to some extent related to the next conversation. um, And that is the conversation about sexual health education and how we don't talk about it and the inaccessibility to it. And also where that can get very dangerous. So I guess we could start off with the question. Have, were you ever taught about sex, either of you? Somia? Nope. Nope. No. What's that? I hope they do not find this episode. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Like, honestly. Absolutely not. 
I used to think that when, when I was when I was a kid, I used to think sex was was laying in a bed with another <laughs> guy, like actually just laying. I thought that that was it. So, Guys, funny. Yeah. Okay, did you know what? I feel like everyone also has a funny story of how they found out. What's your story of how you I found didn't. out? I didn't have a story apart from the fact that when I got my period, this girl came to me and she's like, you know, you can have children now and you can have sex. And that when you have sex, you can have children. And I was like, no. And I was like, and I just looked at her dead in the face like, no, I'm a Muslim. Like, we don't have sex. We don't have kids. Like, you know, we do have kids, but we don't have sex. Like, I just thought, you know, there was some other alternative way that we had children that wasn't (laughs) that. And then I like stormed home to my mom and I was like, mom, you won't believe it. This girl at school was like to me, oh my God, you've got your period now. So you're going to have sex and you can have, you can have kids. And my mom was like, yeah, that, that, that's how it works. And I was like, wow. Firstly, my mom must've been like, yeah, she had a chill ride. She didn't have to explain any of this to me. She just had to reaffirm it. But second of all, the shock that came from the fact that I was like eight and a half and I could have children now. And the fact that Muslims indeed had sex was a shocking, <laughs> shocking revelations for me. So, but to be honest, like beyond that point, we never had a conversation about sex. It was just sort of like, you know what? Like, uh, it shouldn't be something that you do until you get married. Um, and that was kind of where the conversation happened. And I also picked up at that point that whenever it was being discussed, which was very, very rarely, is that it was always done in a very hush, hush voice. It was like, yeah, so we're going to talk about, you know, that thing. <laughs> and that mm. was the extent of sex education in my household we also asked this on our instagram um and 88 percent of people said there's no way that this discussion is had in their households um along with there's no conversation um to at least receiving some education on the topic um and 81 percent of people also said there's no way that this happened in their house um and yeah, I just think that it's a very, very common theme. Um, again, we're so used to just, like Mahek said, just keeping it hushed. Like, we all know it's there, but don't talk about it. Like, everyone doesn't already bloody do it. Like, how will we be here if you didn't do it? You know? Yeah. <laughs> right. How did this happen? Here I am. Quite yeah, exactly. naive little brain, but not all of us are like that, okay? <laughs> one thing one thing that comes to mind definitely is when it... So, yes, I... Definitely agree. I think sex is something that has never been talked about in my household, and I don't even see it being talked about like in my friends in their household from what they've told me. But then on top of that, like once you get past the surface level of like what is sex, which even that definition has been, you know, uh, watered down to something so simple. Even when talking about like pleasure, or when you talk about sex outside of the fact that you know that's how reproduction happens. It's always something where anytime a girl feels good or anytime a girl is benefiting from something, for some reason, that's what gets shut down first. Yeah, That's the conversation that gets shut down first. And I remember in middle school, my sex education class had nothing to do with educating. It was demonizing the act. It was saying, basically, don't get pregnant at 16. And it was a very scary thing. I remember being very scared of the topic and on top of that, being exposed to Hollywood movies. I honestly didn't grow up watching too many Hollywood movies, but the representation with sex was so like lust filled and very, I don't know, just very aggressive. And that was the only depiction that I had in my own head until again, like we had conversations with friends and then you have these, you create these communities where people who, you know, this is what they're doing as their life is they're teaching people about sex education and things like that. They enter the picture and they're like, no, there's a plethora of other topics and subtopics that come into the picture. And then you're basically just mind blown because, and it's, it's kind of a nice feeling to know that it's not just that it's not reduced to just that. Yeah. Yeah. I think going off what you said, first of all, I definitely agree. The media representation definitely does not help. It just sets a lot of girls and boys up for the wrong expectations. And, um, I think the female side of it is very forgotten. Um, I think in school, one thing they definitely didn't emphasize as well as, you know, all they would say is, oh, this is how to be safe and don't get knocked up young. But they didn't emphasize things such as consent. They didn't emphasize 
how important it is to guard your body and the fact that you can say no and how to respect a woman if she does say no because it's not about the guy it's like a lot of people think oh if the guy wants it you just you feel guilty if you say no but you have control over your own body and you have the right to say no and people need to understand first of all the importance of consent and also if someone says no it's no like no means no you know it, it's just that's as, as simple as the matter goes and I think a lot of people have a very common misconception of the fact that first of all you can say no and to respect a woman's choice if they don't want to go ahead with something just because the other person might want it they might not be ready they don't know enough about it so many things I think the conversation kind of gearing it to South Asians as well um, is this whole idea that it all comes down and I think the extent of sex education which is very unspoken as both of you have rightly mentioned it's very male driven very male focused it's sort of like this is the function that a wife needs to do this for a man even if it's not explicitly said so we don't talk about the pleasurable side of um essentially expressing your sexuality um, and all those things. And also the idea that, you know, it's very much like a wife that even if it's, as I said, like, even if it's not something that's explicitly said, it's this idea that's understood. So a really shocking example that happened to me. So I went to a Muslim school and it was driven by culture. It was just, I guess like culture was our ruling. And I remember like very, at a very young age, like probably about 14, kind of tying into the conversation about consent as well is this one girl coming up to me and being like yeah you know my mom told me like you 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 can't say no to your husband like you just you can't say no to your husband you're not allowed to say no to your husband and I was like what the fuck like what do you mean you're not allowed to say no to your husband but in hindsight it's crazy that that conversation was even brought up because it's like number one this is a 14 year old girl who's truly believing something like this and it's sort of like comes into the conversation that okay cool we don't we don't talk about sex because apparently that's not something we talk about in our community but equally not being able to do that has resulted in compromising the sexual safety of so many people within our community as well because marital rape is a thing like a lot of people are going to try and deny that in our and deny that these things exist in our community but they are very prevalent as they are in other communities as well and i think one thing you also brought up somia that's really relevant is a lot of the times we'd find comfort in our friends, but that bears the question is finding out from your friends or online resources like porn, which is what we usually rely on because we can't talk about it freely with our family members. Is that the safest for us? Um, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I, I personally don't think it's the safest forum again, because most of these online platforms are driven by a male perspective. And again, it benefits male, male, um, more more than it will ever for girls but then but then more than that too it's so interesting to me that what when you mentioned about you know the 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 14 year old girls saying that in your school it's so interesting that all of the rules all of the shame all of the issues that have to do with sex always get placed on the girl yeah i have yet to have a guy cousin of mine or a guy friend of mine tell me that their parents told them not to look at a girl or stare, not to touch a girl, not to rape a girl, not to stalk a girl. Literally, I've, I've blatantly asked my guy friends, like, have your mom or has your mom or have, has your dad ever been like, hey, beta or hey, baby, whatever. Make sure that when you go to school, you're not staring at a girl's chest. Make sure when you go to school, you're, if you feel like you're making someone uncomfortable, you probably are, and you should stop doing what you're doing. Those conversations have never been had for the most part. And it's always, it's always happening with the girls. So we're, we're stuck in this space where it's like, okay, well, we should be learning about sex and all of these things. And then when we do learn about it, and then, you know, girls do have the opportunity to engage in consensual sex. And there's a shame where it's like, oh, if you do it, then you're deemed as dirty, unclean, untouchable, uh, you know, slut shaming, all of these things. And then if you don't do it, oh, you're naive, you're, you know, you're a prissy, you're clean, or all of these things. It's like, there's no winning when you're a girl, because the narrative in my eyes has been written by men and things that benefit fit you know as you said like uh matrial rape happens more than we know and i don't think it's that hard to believe but for a lot of people it is and why is that the case because a lot of people are like oh well she's married to me like she's my wife she's my object you know it you dehumanize someone 
exactly and the thing is i also feel like not only is it just men enforcing that a lot of the time women agree with it as well because they're like this is what i have to do and they don't realize that they can't you know say no obviously like we like to think that everybody has this mindset but culturally like things can make you think in a skewed way do you know what i mean and it's It's not definitely I think they also, because they don't know any better, they haven't been told about the empowerment behind it of like a simple no or standing up for something that doesn't particularly make you feel comfortable or something that's not your desire. They haven't been empowered in that way, so they don't know any better. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure if they did and yeah. if they were kind of guided in that way, they might have a bit more control over it. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like a blind spot. Like they, they don't know what they don't know, especially back at home here. I think it's more definitely a generational thing for sure. And then what you're exposed to. And then also I've met, I have met quite a few women that are my mom's age. And my mom and I talk about like women empowerment, like every other day, all the time. And she's very open about if she hadn't gone through the experience that she had gone through, you know, up until today, she would genuinely feel like, that women are supposed to be submissive to their husband and then, and that they're supposed to be submissive to their uh, parent, their husband's family as well. Right. And now, and for the past like couple of decades, she's at the space where she's like, I'm a human being and I'm not subscribing to this idea that I'm literally born to serve a man. But to your point of Sarah, I think it's because maybe she moved here, maybe she had more exposure, maybe she had me and I challenged her thoughts, whatever the case is. I think there's a lot of truth to the fact that you just don't know what you don't know. And a lot of those women that are in that space genuinely probably think like this, they probably know that it sucks, but they're like, this is probably just how it is. Like every woman does it, you know? That's exactly it. I think that's exactly what happens because their whole life they're told, you know, this is what you're supposed to do. This is your life. You're you're supposed to get married. You're supposed to please your husband. You're supposed to do anything he wants. And so they that's exactly it. They just think, well, this probably happens to everyone. So I'm I'm not the only one. So yeah, it's just a shame. And um, and I said, oh, and moving on from this, I think it's just really nice to see that a lot of platforms are now using their voices to kind of raise awareness on this. And we can maybe possibly start a lot more open conversations in our households and also learn a lot more ourselves so we can pass it on to the next generation to make sure that they don't end up being in this like umbrella almost yeah i think we need to definitely move away from that conversation of it solely being a reproductive thing um and i think that really just kind of clinicizes i always maintain that you know clinicize i think clinicizes is a word um it clinicizes sex um when in reality like women are not taught to pursue their own their own desirability of it i think like there is that element of like men are like yeah i'm getting married this is my night i'm finally allowed to like go for these urges but that same energy isn't matched for women um and that's something that just really doesn't sit well with me at all so and i think like what's interesting about everything that you guys have spoken about and kind of the conversation i've had within my own circles as well because i'm getting a lot more friends that are getting married now um it's like even when technically let's say socially there's nothing wrong with it Um, And it's really heavily dependent on your religion. It's very heavily dependent on who you are as a person. But you know that whole concept of, yeah, get have sex after marriage. The stigma is so deep that even when you have sex, when even society says you can have sex, people still feel like, shit, I'm doing something Mm -hmm. wrong. This is something wrong. And it's just very much focused on this whole idea of keeping women innocent and pure, whatever the fuck that means. And it's really jarring because it's like, even as Somya, as you pointed out previously, it's like this conversation is very, very okay for men. Because let's be honest, men talk about it in their own circles and they talk about it freely within each other. And when I speak to kind of like my own male friends and I'm like, okay, cool. Like how is the conversation confronted with your dad or with your brother? And obviously this is a generalization. It's not going to happen for everyone. But they're like, yeah, like there's a bit more of a streamlined conversation going in place. But with us, it's like you just get the birds and the bees in the most clinical way before the wedding night and that is literally no you you brought up a really good point um you were talking about how well your point right now where even after marriage there's this feeling of shame that shame i rarely hear ever comes upon a guy ever if if ever and then even just bringing it back to our culture too especially south asian culture i'm specifically going to note out bollywood just because it's the 
easiest one for me to reference. But when you look at all of these, you know, gorgeous women that are dancing to songs and, you know, they're posting on Instagram, revealing photos, they're feeling their bodies, like they're just feeling themselves. You know what I mean? It's so interesting the amount of hate that I see. Well, women get in general, one, for embracing their bodies. And then two, the South Asian community, it's just, and especially like our parents' generation, like, oh, like cover your chest, cover your shoulder, like make sure your, like, um, your belly button isn't showing and all of these things where at the same time, like you, I don't know, like, it, it just really bothers me because it's one of those things where it's like we're told to fit this box, which isn't even like a real box because there's so many random things that can't actually all be done at once. And then for men, it's, there's no rules. And, and I agree with you. I think a lot of times women do uphold that and a lot of women perpetuate it too, because women shaming is so common. And I hate the word normalized. I feel like that's been used this past year, like a billion yeah. times. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like a synonym, but women shaming is so common that even when women do it, it's, it's not even an eyebrow raiser. It's like, oh yeah, like she just called that girl um, a name because she posted a shirtless photo on Instagram or whatever the case may be. And, and then you have, I don't even know where I was going with this. Like I kind of also lost my train of thought, but (laughs) yeah, I don't know. I, I agree. I think, um, there's, there's just so many things that tie into sexual education, but then sexual health. And then more than that, just femininity and embracing it. Like we are, we, we have boobs. That's, that's not something that like I chose to have. That's not something that I, you know, selected a box on what size I would get. Like, that's what I have. And it was, it is sexualized for whatever reason, but that's not something that like I should be shamed for, or any woman should be shamed for by another woman or by a man. Um, and yeah, I, I feel like, especially in Indian culture, like I've been told so many times, like, don't show your cleavage or like, co- like if I'm wearing an Indian dress, like, oh, like use a dupatta to like cover your chest. Like there's still boobs underneath there. I don't understand. Yeah. And yeah. people who get, I mean, I don't want to make it too deep, but people who do get sexually assaulted, like they're not getting sexually assaulted because of what are, what they're wearing. They're getting sexually assaulted because they're the one who's assaulting them is a predator. That's end of story. There's no, there's no other reason besides the fact that they're a predator. And I feel like this whole hyper non talking about sexual health is what ends up liberating a lot of guys to become predators because they only see girls as one thing. And yeah, I think um, in light of just rounding off, I think, I can definitely say that the education we currently receive or maybe we did receive when we were growing up was definitely not fit for its purpose. It wasn't educational in the sense of how to be safe properly in terms of consent, the control you can have over your body. And I think that is something that definitely needs to be emphasized. Um, And a lot of people that we actually asked online said a very similar thing. They said 95% of people said that the education is not fit for purpose. Um, and I think that's something that definitely needs to change moving forward. So, Somya, going to your point as well about Bollywood and like, I think just the media we consume as South Asians, it's this idea that when women are sexualized without consent or without, uh, they're basically unsolicitedly sexualized but the minute we sexualize ourselves the minute we think oh you know what i want to go into my sexuality and express my sexuality that's when it's not allowed so when it's done um after the checkpoint or the approval from men then it's fine so i remember we would uh, we i read um priyanka chopra's biography and so did afsara right um for an episode we did not the biggest fan of her but that's a different conversation you just had to read it um, there. <laughs> yeah and um there was I watched that episode yeah (laughs) drama but um one of the points on that book was that she was basically forced into doing like a a nude scene or like almost nude scene and when she said that she didn't want to do it they were like why like no one's gonna want to watch that within a couple days she had left the show she was like yeah i'm not doing this anymore and that really stung it really like hit me when you said that point because i was like yeah like we're sexualized it's fine when we're being sexualized and it's approved by men, but the minute we start to do it ourselves, and that's the problem with the conversation about sexuality as well and the conversation about sex and sex education is that you're not allowed to delve into it unless we let you, and majority of the times that's not the case. 
the worst part about her story was the fact that she felt like she couldn't even tell them the real reason why she had to make up like an excuse because she knew she wasn't going to be taken seriously if she said I don't want to do this because I don't want to be sexualized and yeah I think that was super messed up but yeah I think to conclude this episode guys I think we've covered a lot of ground um but I think to conclude what advice would you want to give moving forward on how these can become open discussion and places where you know we can reach out to if you're too embarrassed to talk about it at places like home and things like that Samia we'll start with you yeah no it it can be really hard even when I give advice too because it takes a lot of effort to bring this this up whether it's in friend groups and families but one thing I would honestly say is if you don't have it in you necessarily to bring up questions about sex or, you know, your period or things like that, definitely utilize social media. And like one of the things I know I'm going to do is I want to send this podcast to my parents because I don't think I have the mental energy to explain to them how I necessarily feel when it comes to my education on these two topics. So definitely utilizing the work that other people have done to just at least be like the conversation starter. And then also one of the things that I've again like started doing with my friend groups is just talking about it like it's normal just the just the same way that it's okay for guys and society to just say random comments like oh she has a big butt or whatever the case is which is problematic in itself but you know for me to be like oh yeah like I'm on my period if it's again like relevant to the conversation if I feel like it's relevant to the conversation and not making a big deal ab- about it like no- like normalizing it take that word now <laughs> um and yeah and then when it comes to parents I think one of the things that I'm also going to hold myself accountable to is talking about the repercussions the fact that a lot of women are sexually assaulted and it's not a coincidence that not only are they sexually assaulted, but those men aren't even taught about sex being a consensual activity. So that's definitely something that I would say is just talk about the repercussions and be like, doesn't it suck that so many women are attacked yet there's nothing being done about educating the men in our society. So I know those are very general, but Honestly, social media has been such a help. I feel like for a lot of people, our generation, just following accounts that talk about it and, you know, um, and share their resources too, I think is, is very helpful. And talking about it with your friends in your own circle can also be really good too. Yeah, for sure. I think I completely agree. I think you've really hit the nail on the head. And I think one thing that we need to talk about with regards to period same. So I mentioned Binti as well. So we'll put that um, out for you guys to have a look at. But also, look, I think within a South Asian community, like we're never going to, I don't think that we're going to get to a point where, well, for any time soon anyway, where where we're going to be able to talk about sex or periods in a way that is as freely, as open as we wanted to. Um, But I definitely think that we need to break the conversation in and in a way that perhaps works for the community. Um, How that looks, I'm not entirely sure. But for example, I will generally speak about it in kind of chunks with my mom so it's sort of like more comfortable for her or more comfortable for whoever's having the conversation because ultimately like a lot of the time people do feel discomfort and that should be acknowledged as well but we should also be kind of like engaging in that slowly so that we can all look into it um and i again like utilizing social media is a really important tool and it's like it's insane that we actually have access to that because when i think about like my mom's time and i think about like my aunt's time i'm like how how did you navigate this? Um, and I think, yeah, definitely utilizing your spaces. Cause I think the younger generation of South Asians, like we're a lot, especially within like female friend groups, we're so much more open about talking about it. But again, like are these the safest places sometimes? Yes, yeah, sometimes no. So definitely be kind of supplementing, I guess like taking it from different angles and supplementing them in a way that you've got a good understanding of what's going on and being true to yourself. Um, even though again, that does sound like a cliche, but it is a really important thing to to do. And I definitely will have a look for some guides as well for people to kind of look into. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know any um, pages off the top of my head, but I'll definitely be looking into this because I think it's something I would benefit from too. I think Irene Sarah has a good instagram page where she actually i think started a podcast specifically on um sex education and 
periods. Like I'm pretty sure those are like her two main focus points. So I can send that to you, Mahak and Afsara, after if you want to add that here. Yes, you actually just um, ignited a memory as well. The village auntie. The village auntie is amazing. Like I'm like, here, like I don't remember any social media pages. I'm like, I have literally been following this page for so long. The village auntie is insane. It's very Muslim focused, but equally very applicable to South Asian culture in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think you guys have definitely made a lot of really important points. I definitely think that moving forward, that we definitely need to have a lot more of these conversations, find safe spaces, platforms that we can obviously look up to, like the ones you guys have suggested. And I'm just glad that these are becoming more open and very common and normal conversations um, because we can really look up to these platforms. But other than that, I think we've all made some really good points and... Samia, we'd like to thank you so much for taking the time out to be part of this episode, despite all of our technical difficulties. But we really hope everyone who's listening can take something away from this. Um, Please let us know if you have any questions, what you think, um, and we'll leave loads of links and pages you guys can have a look to. Um, And this is our penultimate episode. So we'll be back next week for our season finale. So thank you guys so much for joining us this week and we'll catch you one last time next week. Bye.